You're listening to Human Rights Talks, organized by the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. Hello, welcome to Human Rights Talks. Uh, This is a podcast from the Montreal Institute for Genocide and Human Rights Studies. In this special series about digital authoritarianism, we talk about various issues related to internet shutdowns and digital surveillance. This is a, this initiative is supported by the U.S. Embassy in Ottawa, so we thank them for their support. Today, I'm absolutely delighted to host Felicia Antonio. She works with the organization Access Now, which I'm sure a lot of you know, and she's a campaigner for the Keep It On campaign which is a global campaign that fights against internet shutdowns. Felicia, thank you for joining us today. You're most welcome. It's my pleasure. First, can you talk to us a little bit about the uh, Keep It On campaign? It has a hashtag. So if you you look on social media, people can find it. When did you, when did Access Now kind of decide to shine light on on this problem? And what is the goal and the mission of, of this initiative? Actually, I would go a bit further before I come back to when Kipiton was born. Um, And I would like to emphasize that um, the issue of internet shutdowns has always been at the heart of access now, since the organization was started in 2009. And um, during the Iranian elections, there was an internet shutdown and access now actually began putting together an emergency response team of um, technologists um, working to help people come back online and ensure their safe communication. By 2016, um, the phenomenon was increasing and in response to those growing threats, Access Now convened a group of partners and allies um, at our annual RightsCon events in Silicon Valley to brainstorm about how we could advocate against internet shutdowns, as well as what could be done to support people in times of um, such disruptions. So by at the time, um, a group of about 70 organizations were present and they were committed to fighting internet shutdowns. They also came up with a working definition about what internet shutdowns are, kind of why and when they happen. And since then, we've been working with this definition over the years and it's been adopted by several other actors that are interested in um, the issue of internet shutdowns. Um, currently, the, um, the Keep It On campaign is made up of over 280 members, which are civil society organizations worldwide. And um, we've become a leader when it comes to pushing back and fighting internet shutdowns around the globe. Mainly we raise awareness, as I've indicated in the beginning, um, about internet shutdowns, where are they happening? Why are they happening? What is the impact they are having on fundamental human rights? And um, also what strategies are being used? What tools are available for people to circumvent certain types of shutdowns? And um, even we do um, resorts to the use of litigation in challenging um, internet shutdowns in courts. And we've seen some wins like um, in Togo, where we had the ECOWAS court ruling that an internet shutdown that was imposed by the Togolese government was illegal. Most recently, the Zambia High Court has done same and ordered the authorities to restore internet access when the government shut down the internet during the 2021 20, elections in August. 
So mm-hmm. these are some of the ways that we highlight internet shutdowns and we continue to work together with our partners to um, keep this in conversation, um, given the, the, the devastating impacts that it has on people's fundamental rights and other aspects of their lives. I have a feeling that, I mean, I hear about internet shutdowns more and more, whether they're targeted or widespread. How, how really widespread is the use of internet shutdowns today? Can you give a bit of a global snapshot in which countries are perhaps more, most affected? In our recently launched reports, we documented 182 incidents of shutdowns in 34 countries. And this has actually increased from um, 2020, where we had um, 159 incidents. Um, I think the reduction in 2020 was as a result of the pandemic. Mm. Um, And this is because um, with the pandemic, with lockdowns being imposed, with restrictions to movement and several normal day activities that we were used to before the pandemic. Um, It was difficult for people to, for instance, protest against government policies that were not, that they were not happy with. Elections, for instance, were postponed to the following year or subsequent years. And so these elections, protests, are kind of the major triggers of shutdowns as we've seen in our monitoring. And so once these events were pushed back or canceled, we think that that reduction was as a result of that. And so it's quite disappointing to see that we are going back to that um, trend of as the shutdowns have increased in 2021. And we all know that we are beginning to get back to normalcy. And so we think that or it's concerning to see that these numbers are increasing again. In terms of countries, India is the major perpetrator when it comes to internet shutdowns. And as we have documented over the past couple of years, I think about four years now, and in 2021, India was responsible for 106 incidents of shutdowns. Myanmar followed with 15. Mm. Iran, Sudan had five incidents of shutdowns. And then um, when you move to, let's say, in Africa, we had Ethiopia and Uganda also being responsible for about three internet shutdowns each. There were countries that hadn't shut down the internet before in like in a monitoring that shut down the internet in 2021, including Eswatini, uh, Burkina Faso, and Niger, for instance. And so this is really worrying that we are seeing new countries joining this infamous list of governments um, resorting to the use of internet shutdowns to silence criticism and kind of be in control of information in those um, affected countries. Mm-hmm. So based on your report, then, when, when do regimes usually um, revert to internet shutdowns? And first that, you know, during, you mentioned elections, you mentioned perhaps during turmoil, and then do these internet shutdowns sometimes target entire populations or specific individuals? It depends. There are instances where governments would shut down the internet nationwide. Mm-hmm. So the whole country is off the grid. Um, there are instances where they shut down the internet in certain areas. And um, we currently have, let's say, when the coup broke out in Myanmar in last year, we saw that the military shut down the internet across the country. 
there is an ongoing internet shutdown in Ethiopia's Tigray region, targeting the conflict zone. Um, there are also countries like Algeria and Sudan that will shut down the internet when students are taking examinations, which is one of the very um, ridiculous reasons that um, we've seen um, government sites in shutting down the internet, but it's happening and it's very um, common in the Middle East and North Africa region. We also have instances where governments will target specific platforms like Facebook, um, Twitter. Um, we saw the government of Nigeria shutting down Twitter for over um, seven months last year because of, among other things, but um, I think what actually triggered it was the fact that Twitter took down the post of the president, which was in violation of their community standards. And in retaliation, this um, shutdown was imposed for that long. So it actually depends on the various countries and what they tend to, they want to achieve. But what we've noticed is that what these shutdowns all have in common is the fact that they are disruptive. They violate the rights of people. They don't even resolve the crisis that they claim mm. they want to use the shutdowns to respond to. So for instance, if there is a conflict and you are shutting down the internet or there is a pandemic, you are shutting down the internet, what you are indirectly doing is that you are putting more lives in danger. If there's a conflict, I would need to know which route can I use to get home safe? Who should I call? Where should I go? You know. And so once you rip me off that um, right, then I don't know what to do. You leave me in a state of confusion and um, you can just imagine how families and friends of people in Ethiopia's Tigray region, for instance, are uh, uh, having to cope or having to live with the fact that, let's say, if they are based outside of the country or region, they are not able to reach out to their families to find out this is where a conflict is happening. Mm. How are you doing? What is happening to you? Are you still alive? What is happening? You know, and you just rip people of that right. And that is what we want people to understand the intensity of internet shutdowns it's not just a one-off thing okay they've shut down the internet uh, we can live with that no it extends it covers a wide range of um, fundamental issues and um, we, we we think that uh, as a coalition we want governments to understand that these shutdowns do not resolve crisis they only amplify them and um, violate to the rights of the people that have put them in power in, in the first place. Yeah, that's one of the questions I had. What are other kind of human, other impacts of internet shutdowns, both for people? Financially, I, I know it impacts international markets, but also, you know, people use apps a lot these days to make business. So it means it has a financial impact on individuals as well, right? So can you talk a little, a little bit more about that perhaps? Yes, um, exactly. And as you've rightly put, a lot of people have become dependent on the internet to promote their businesses. There are people that are doing great um, online with, because they don't have the luxury or the resources to, let's say, get a physical space to promote their businesses. So all they need is a computer or a, a phone, internet access, and then they use online platforms to kind of promote what they are, they are selling. And then once they get the market, they can, of course, deliver to the people that purchase these um, 
uh, goods and services. And so once you shut down the internet, what you are doing is that you are denying this person of their daily bread, if I would put it, uh, because that is what the person does for a living. And so once you do that, you are taking away that right. You can also see that, especially in developing countries and even across the globe, people depend on others for survival. So let's say if this is a young girl or woman building her business, trying to make it, and you are taking this away from them, what you are doing is that aside the fact that this person would not be able to sell their goods and services, it means they would not be able to make money, they would not be able to also feed their families and provide for um, their families. So um, this is how you, you look at it in like in the in the personal way, but then also, of course, governments or countries lose a lot of money when the internet is shut down. Billions of dollars uh, go down the drain when you shut down the internet. No matter how short the period is, people will lose money. Um, there will be fear in the system. People will just panic when you do um, or impose these things. And so the question I've been wondering or we keep asking ourselves is, why are governments doing it when they are losing money um, in, uh, as well? But um, I don't know. I don't know how you would want to put... I think if every government just understands that, okay, I have the responsibility to provide or protect my citizens and respect their fundamental rights, I don't think we would be having this discussion about internet shutdowns. But once you disregard such... Um, responsibility and you just decide to do what you think you want to do in a democracy, I think that is unacceptable. Mm. And uh, we continue to engage with the various actors, engage with the various governments. Uh, we provide information about how we can work together to provide internet access for all because the internet has become a part of us and it has come to stay whether we like it or not. And so instead of us fighting it, why don't we make it a better place? Why don't we make it accessible for people to be able to use it to promote themselves, to be able to promote and contribute to development? Because when people are making money um, and being able to provide for themselves, they are contributing to development in their uh, various societies. So why not invest in the internet and just stop? shutting down the internet um, as and when, looking at all these replications that um, um, they have on people and on societies and on um, communities and countries. Yeah, well, often the, the leaders who make these decisions themselves don't lose the money, right? I mean, it's the country that loses the money, but they themselves are often corrupt yeah. as they have the money. But considering the, um, the impact, I suppose then internet shutdowns, like a lot of forms of digital authoritarianism are against international law. What are the treaties in place uh, to protect actually internet access? I'm pretty sure a lot of them are not really, are not respected, are not implemented, but what are their treaties perhaps in place? Mm -hmm. um, when you look at the way internet shutdowns happen, they violate a wide range of rights. And so the first would be the Universal Declaration for um, human, of Human Rights because you take away you or you, you violate all these essential rights of people when you impose internet shutdowns. But when we come to um, resolutions that 
kind of denounced internet shutdowns. In 2021, July, this um, last year, you know, the UN had passed a resolution in 2016 um, kind of denouncing internet shutdowns. Mm -hmm. And so in July 2021, um, the, the UN Human Rights Council adopted a new version of this resolution on, um, that is a resolution on the promotion, protection, and enjoyment of human rights on the internet. And specifically, it called out internet shutdowns and, mandate, and mandated that a report should be produced to highlight the trends of internet shutdowns, analyzing their causes, their legal implications, and their impact on the range of human rights, which we've already um, discussed in this um, uh, podcast. And so um, Access Now and uh, Partners, we were very active in this process. We lobbied for this resolution and contributed evidence and analysis for the report. Um, we do have other resolutions by the African Commission on Human and People's Rights, uh, which was passed in 2017, I think, um, which also denounces or condemn internet shutdowns and um, urges state parties to stop imposing them during elections and protests. Aside these ones, we do have some initiatives that also kind of speak up, um, up against internet shutdowns. And I would like to cite the Freedom Online Coalition, um, which was set up in 2017 and has been very instrumental in pushing or um, denouncing internet shutdowns and have also shown their commitment to um, fighting them. And the Freedom Online Coalition was started by a group of 30 governments. Um, and I think the membership has increased to maybe 32 or 33. Uh, but this is a very important um, um, initiative as well that is contributing to the fight. And of course, once, um, as you rightly said, we have some of these resolutions, very important resolutions, but yet governments are still violating them and going ahead to impose internet shutdowns. And so um, we have identified litigation as a way that we can also leverage um, to be able to fight and push back and question and challenge governments that um, disrespect all these um, 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 treaties and uh, resolutions and go ahead to impose internet shutdowns. Yeah, I, I encourage everyone to kind of to uh, subscribe to uh, the Access Now newsletter because you, um, a lot of the things that you just mentioned are mentioned in this newsletter and you also give good tips about how to support Access Now, how to support the, the uh, Keep It On campaign because often I think as individuals who feel like we can't do much, but I think just by raising awareness about this and being aware of what's happening, it's, it's a start. And perhaps one last question I want to ask is, is um, a lot of the listeners are interested in the conflict in Ethiopia because we actually know very little about it. We know very little about what's happening on the ground. And one of the reasons is that there's no or very little access to the internet. How have warring parties leverage into the internet shutdown or the internet blackout to kind of keep us in the dark? And what is the impact on people on the ground and people here? Because I know next week we're organizing an event on Ethiopia uh, with um, Ethiopians here in Canada. And some of them haven't heard from their family members in months. They don't even know whether they're alive mm -hmm. or not. 
yeah, like every internet shutdown, um, the impact that what is um, of the shutdown happening in Ethiopia's Tigray region, it's devastating. We've seen that governments tend to weaponize internet shutdowns during conflicts. Since 20, November 2020, when the conflict broke out between um, the government and the um, Tigray forces, um, it's been really difficult for people living in the, in the, in the region, as I indicated earlier. Um, and again, um, how do I put it? People are scrambling to access information in real time. Um, people, as you rightly alluded, are finding it difficult to reach out to their families, to hear from them, and even know just know how they are doing. And also, um, the shutdown has forced businesses to close down and made access to education extremely mm. difficult. And one thing that is also very crucial to note is the fact that um, the internet shutdown has interfered with humanitarian aid workers and who, who have even, um, who came out to say that they needed the internet to be restored or they need access to um, the internet to be able to reach the affected communities and provide the resources that they need or the resources that they are providing. At the same time, even though activists and human rights defenders are managing to document and highlight um, the atrocities perpetrated against civilians, um, by the warring parties. I think that the internet shutdown impedes such efforts at the same time. And it provides a cover for the warring parties to perpetrate these shutdowns. Um, and this is done with impunity because it's really difficult for us to be able to access information in a timely manner to see exactly what is happening. Um, the veracity, sorry, the intensity of what is happening in, in, in the country. And so I think that what is happening in Tigray, it's a flagrant violation of people's rights and it shouldn't be encouraged in any way. And that is why we keep calling on the authorities to ensure that internet access is restored. Um, people are given access to essential needs um, so that they can live their lives and, um, and just live their lives as as humans or as people. Well, thank you very much, uh, Felicia. We're ending on a kind of sad note, but um, I encourage everyone to follow uh, Access Now on social media and their newsletter. And also, I know that the RightsCon conference is taking place in, in two weeks, so we will be there as well. So we'll have a workshop about, uh, 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 over there too. So thank you very much, Felicia, for joining us today. You're most welcome.